Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. So let me explain today's message to you on the front end. I am going to be talking to those of you who maybe have never made a decision for Christ. Now before you jump up and run for the exits, just stay with me uh, because I'm going to try and do it in a way that makes sense for you. I'm going to try to do it in a way that's very respectful of your intelligence and your emotions. I'm going to try to do it in a way that um, maybe helps you see it from a perspective that you haven't seen it before. At least that's the prayer this morning. And if you're here and you're thinking, well, Brett, I'm a Christian. What do you have for me? Well, I have for you reaffirmation of this great message and why it's such a beautiful message. And for you to be able to walk out of here today and go, that's why there's a, a, you know, a reason for me to get up in the morning, and that's why God has given me one more day, and that's why I believe and serve him. So um, you're also going to kind of get a glimpse into maybe my personal views on evangelism and how they ought to go. That just kind of comes with the territory, I think. Let's, let's start here. Have you ever had someone offer you something as a gift, and it was way more than you ever expected? You ever been given a gift and and when you opened it or when you saw it or realized that that's what was coming your way you couldn't believe it um it was uh it was just it was more than you could have ever afforded on your own you know they had the best of intentions they they love you and care about you and and think very highly of you and that's why they're offering this gift but um you know simply put you just think it's too much I have been offered gifts like that. In fact, I have received gifts like that in the last week where, where people have given things to me and you, you open it and the first thought you have is, oh my goodness, <laughs> they've overdone it. Or maybe you think it's too good to be true. There, there is a parallel tension in the spiritual realm and we have to struggle with it at some point because the message of Christmas is that a long time ago, God showed up and offered to give mankind the privilege of a relationship with him. He offered to give us forgiveness, and it would cost us nothing. And for generations, we have been trying to purchase, jump through hoops, buy our way in, serve our way in, and to prove to God that for some reason, he should accept us based on what I've done for him. And the whole time the message of Christmas is forgiveness and salvation are a relationship with God, and it is not for sale. It's a gift. You have to make up your mind once and for all whether or not you will receive that gift. But there's something in me, and there's probably something in you that says, no, 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 no. Uh, God, I, I for sure would like a big discount. Because I don't know if I can be consistent enough, I don't know if I can be holy enough or spiritual enough, or I don't know if I can earn my way in, so I would like for you to cut me some slack. But when it comes right down to it, I'd like to stand in front of you and be able to say, you know, I wasn't such a bad guy. I mean, I didn't mess up that much, really, did I? I was kind to my fellow man, and I want to kind of come to you on my own merit. Can I, God, can I just... Bring some of the good stuff that I brought with me. I have something to offer. I can't, I can't trade a little bit of goodness for your mercy and your grace. I can't give you a little. 
Can you factor in my goodness just a little bit, God? And the answer, God says, is no. It's not for barter. It's not for swap. This isn't some deal we're going to do, you know, where you give me something and I give you something. It's free. Now, what God would say is, will you or will you not accept a free gift? It's the concept of God accepting me just the way I am, in spite of what I have done. I feel like I ought to have to do something, right? Don't we feel like we should, we should do something? We should bring something to the table. We get all hung up on that. Luke chapter 2 is where we will be this morning. That's where we've hung out for the last couple of weeks. It's the Christmas story. And we all know this story. Right? I said, I've been saying, we, we've played parts in this story. You've been one of the barnyard animals or something. You know, maybe if you lucked out, you got to be Joseph. When I was six years old and going to the, the Christian church in Camelsburg, Kentucky, I had my, my Sunday school teacher's name was Mrs. Christian. It doesn't get any better than that right there. Mrs. Christian. And she announced when I was a very young little fella to my mother, this kid's going to be a preacher. Now, God didn't tell me that till way later, but he told Miss Christian. And I remember the Christmas story, uh, the play that we did at the church that, that year. Um, I remember I had a line in it. They were, you know, it was, it was this deal. We were this family in this house, and I was the little boy, and, and I had one line. And man, I practiced and practiced, and, and I, when it came my time... I nailed my line. You ready to hear it? You want to hear it? This is my big line in the, in the Christmas play. This was it. Yes, mother, please tell us. That's Oscar worthy right there. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You know, I can see it now. Me standing up there. I want to thank my producers and my directors, mom and dad. We've all been in this story. We, we know this story. Every year this time of year, we, it comes around, we get our Bibles out. Maybe you have a tradition where you read the Christmas story, Luke 2, to your kids. Maybe you have a tradition where you sit by your Christmas tree late at night, just the lights, and you read Luke 2 to yourself. I don't know how it goes down for you, but you know this story. And somehow, the message of the Christmas story can still slip past us. Somehow, even though we're very familiar with it and we read it and, you know, we came to the candlelight Wednesday night and I read the Christmas story to you and you've heard it, you know it. And then we get through this season and we go right back to thinking that there's a good God out there and what he's looking for are good people and I'm going to be a good people. And I'm going to come to God and God's going to connect with me and love me and accept me and bless me and give me luck based on all the good people stuff I've done. And in doing so, we miss the message of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Hey, from now on, there's no reason for you to be afraid. See, it used to be when God showed up, there might be a reason for you to be afraid. There have been times in the Bible when God showed up, wasn't good, you, you, you might be in trouble, and you might ought to be afraid. But the angels are saying, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the good people. 
No. All the Christian people. No. All the holy people. All the church people. No. This is what's amazing. And if you're here today, and, and let's just venture a guess that maybe there's somebody in here that doesn't go to church very much, and the reason you don't go to church, we're going to get into those reasons in a little bit. But one of the reasons that you don't go to church is you think it's for good people. I'm here to tell you, it's for you. This story is for you. doesn't matter how good you are. doesn't matter how well you behaved last night or even this morning on the way here. It doesn't matter. This story is for you. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Which means that this is good news and it has nothing to do with what anybody has done. In fact, this is good news in spite of what we've done. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a coach, it's not what it says, a helper, a second chance giver, no, a savior, a deliverer, a rescuer. A Savior has been born to you because you don't need a second chance and you don't need more help. It's worse than that. You need a Savior. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. That means that God gets all the credit for everything that's about to happen. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You get the peace of knowing that when you put your head on your pillow tonight, You get the peace of knowing when you lay in your bed tonight. In spite of everything you've done, the favor of God rests on you. We said a couple of weeks ago that until you embrace the message of Christmas, somebody get me some water, please. Until you embrace the message of Christmas, you never really have peace. On a good day, you do some good stuff and you feel good about coming to God and you you say, you know, God, I'm in a good place today and I'm ready to talk to you and I'm ready to do this deal. I'm I'm feeling good about things today. We think God's happy with us. We have a little peace, but we don't have a lot of assurance. On the bad days when you haven't done very well, (laughs) on the bad days when you haven't been a good mom or you haven't been a good dad, when you've been inconsistent, When you've done whatever it is that you do that brings shame on you and makes you embarrassed or makes you feel ashamed, and there is no assurance, and the message of the angels that night is, hey, that system's gone away. There's no reason for you to be afraid anymore. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You can't buy it. The good news for all men is that you get peace and God gets all the credit. See, God is giving you, giving you something that no one else has ever offered. And on earth, 
Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. See, this is great news. It is. Whether you even believe it or not, this is great news. If there really is a God in heaven, and he really has decided to forgive us and to accept us, regardless of whatever we've done, and if there is a God in heaven who says, you can have a relationship with me, bless your heart. Thank you. Regardless of what you've done, you can have a relationship with me. I love you. I'm, I'm here to, to save and help and forgive you. And I'm going to give you eternal life based not on what you've done. I'm going to give you eternal life based on what I've done for you. See, if that's true, that really is good news. I don't know what you did on Black Friday. I don't know if you went out looking for the best deal. I don't know if you were looking for the, you know, like the ginormous 80-inch flat screen TV under $500. Do they make one of those? But if what I just read is true, that's the best news you're ever going to get. I don't understand why everybody doesn't respond to this offer. What are you holding out for that would be a better offer than this? God loves you and is giving you eternal life and forgiving you of all your sins. If that's true, there is no better offer. You, you check out all the other major religions and they all basically boil down to the same thing. I'm going to do the best I can and hope I make it. That's really... That's what you've got. If you don't embrace Christianity, that's what you have to embrace. I'm going to do the best I can and hope God loves me enough to give me salvation. But no one ever really knows because not, God never really gave them any guarantees. And Christianity comes along and says, I want to give you eternal life. I'm going to pay the way. I want to forgive you of all your sins. If that's true, wouldn't you at least be curious? If this is true, this isn't good news. If this is true, this is unbelievable news. Do you have something that you're into that maybe a friend of yours isn't into, like a television program that, you ever been frustrated trying to explain a television program to somebody that you're really into and you're trying to get them to want to watch it too and they're looking at you like, you know, you've got four arms or something. You know, it's just they, they don't understand, and you're going on and on about this great tell. And you're trying to explain to them why they should set aside their Thursday evening to watch said show, and they just are not getting it. And you're like, oh, it's so good. Have you ever been really into cars? I don't know what your thing is. Technology. My dad <laughs> drove a truck his whole life. He's got a cell phone, barely knows how to operate it. It's not a smartphone. You know, I get out my phone and I'm checking something. He's like, what are you doing over there? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm you know, I had a, I'm answering a question. And, or, and he just, he's like, you know, he'll just shake his head. He just looks the other way and just shakes his head like, I don't get it. 
Or he'll ask me something, and I won't have the answer, but I'll reach for my phone. He'll say, what are you doing? I say, I'm about to answer your question. Or I'll be sitting there quietly, and somebody will send me a text, and I'll answer with a text, and he'll like, what are you doing? I said, well, I just sent a text. Ah, don't text. Don't text me. You want to talk to me, call me. Don't text me. Has your dad given you that speech yet? I don't want any text. I said, well, Dad, you need to be able to receive a text. I might want to tell you I love you in the middle of the night. And he, <laughs> he said, if you want to tell me you love me, you call me and tell me you love me. I don't need that in a text. So they had some, Dad had some medical trouble a couple weeks ago, and, and he's better now, but he, he had some difficulties. And it was one of those times where you really wish you could have texted. And it, it, I had my kids make videos telling Papa that they loved him. And I said, send them to me and I'll send them. My little brother was down there with his smartphone. Mom and dad, neither one have one. So the only way I could get these messages to them was through a, the phone. And I was trying to explain to dad, dad, if you had a phone that would receive a message like that, you know, I could have sent them straight to you. He, he just doesn't, he doesn't get it. At least from my perspective, he doesn't get it. You ever had somebody that was really, I work with three coffee fiends. I drink coffee all the time. I mean, Kyle, I never see him without coffee. It's, um, I, we just, I should get him for Christmas just an intravenous drug drip of coffee. It's what I should do for, for Kyle. But, and I've had people say, Brett, if you started drinking coffee, you'd really like it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. See, that's where I am with this. I don't know why everybody wouldn't embrace the message of Jesus. I, I don't get it. If this is true, there's no better offer anywhere. If God really invaded time and space through his son Jesus, and if he came to die on a cross to forgive my sins, your sins, and if he's willing to give you the gift of forgiveness and you don't have to earn it, and you can go to bed every single night knowing that everything is cool between you and God. Isn't that what you want? Wouldn't you like to be able to go to bed at night, put your head on the pillow, and say, God, I know I didn't, I know there were some areas where I, it was pretty rough today, I know that, but I know this, you and I are cool. And we're not cool because I'm good, we're cool because Jesus is good, and Jesus has made the difference for me, I understand that. That doesn't appeal to you? That does, it doesn't appeal to you that you would be able to sleep at night and say, you know what, I have been forgiven. If it's true, I'm telling you, there's no better deal that you're ever going to encounter. I don't care how big the flat screen TV is, and I don't care how much it costs, this is a better deal. Some of you would say, well, Brett, you just don't know my story. See, if you knew my story, if I could tell you my story, you would understand why I'm not a Christian. I understand that. I do. Believe me, I get, I get that I don't know your story just like you don't know mine. I, I'm, I don't judge anybody because I, I don't know everything that goes on in their life, so I don't know the story. Let, let me tell you another story. When I first came to this church 21 years ago, I, I did not know anything, and I'm not joking, I didn't know anything about a computer. I knew they were... They were light colored that's all I knew about them 
I am not exaggerating when I tell you I did not know how to turn a computer on. I didn't want to know how to turn a computer on. Didn't mean anything to me. I didn't care anything about them. For the longest time, I did not see what was the big deal about a computer. Do you know why? I had poor instruction and improper application. I had poor instruction. No one had ever instructed me how to use a computer. When no one has instructed you, you don't see a need. You just think it's not for you. That's how a lot of people outside of the church feel. And maybe, I'm just, maybe you're here this morning and I'm describing you and you're saying, Brett, that's exactly how I feel. I don't get it. I don't understand and I don't really know even what questions to ask. So I didn't have proper instruction. The second thing I didn't have, I had improper application. I didn't realize how a computer could be used to help my life. Then I met somebody who could explain to me the computer in a way that I could get it. One of the reasons that some of you don't just go nuts and embrace Christianity is because of these two things. It's been poorly explained and it's been improperly applied. And if I were you and I had heard it explained the way it gets explained sometimes and the way maybe it's been explained to you, I'm with you. I wouldn't want to be a Christian either, okay? I'm with you. If I had seen Christianity applied the way you've seen Christianity applied, or in a lot of cases, misapplied, and the blowback came on you the way it has, I get it. I understand why you wouldn't want anything to do with it. Listen, I talk to a lot of people who are far from God, and and you know what I don't hear? I don't like Jesus. I don't ever hear that. You know what I hear? I don't like the church. I don't like Christians. I don't like the way they talk. I don't like what they say. I don't ever hear anybody say, I don't like Jesus. See, Jesus isn't the problem. We've explained it poorly, and we've applied it poorly, and and maybe you're in the room this morning, and you're thinking to yourself, see, this guy gets it. This guy understands why I don't want to be a Christian. I do get it, and that's why I'm hoping that this morning you you will give me just a sliver, that you'll just open the door enough to consider what I'm saying just a little bit, because I think if you'll listen You're going to see this in a new light. I I certainly hope so. Some of you have heard preachers just like me, and they've done a huge disservice in trying to explain this. And they make it so confusing and so unappealing. And you hear them talk, and, you know, a lot of what they say is true. You know, it would sound like this. Jesus died and rose again, and, and he's coming back, and there's a Christ, and there's an Antichrist, and there's a beast, and there's an Adam and an Eve, and there's a first Adam and a second Adam, and he was the first Adam, and you're, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, I fully understand that. And there was a period of 400 years of silence, and John the Baptist, and you've got to go tell people, and if you don't tell people, you're not a good Christian. Well, I understand why, why, you know, that would make me think that everybody, I mean, when we explain it like that, wouldn't you just expect everybody to come to Jesus, right? I mean, when that's the way we explain it. If it's not clearly explained, why in the world would anybody want to be a Christian? But what's worse than poor explanation is improper application. For you, one of the things maybe that keeps you from exploring and seeing if this is true is that you've met too many Christians. Maybe you work for one. Maybe you work with one. 
and you're thinking, you know what? I'm already a better person than you. (laughs) I don't even know what I believe, but I'm a better person than you. I'm a better parent than you. I'm a better wife or husband than you. And you would look at the person you work with who's a Christian and you would say, you should reject your faith and follow me because I behave better than you do. I'm a better leader, I'm a better teacher, I'm a better person, and I don't even know what I believe. And you've met so many Christians, and the thought that's gone through your mind is, you know, I know you mean well, but I'm just not interested. I get it. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, and what you saw turned you off to Christianity, and you didn't like what you saw in your folks, and you didn't want to grow up to be like them. Maybe somewhere there was a religious leader, a preacher, or a youth pastor, and they meant well, and they were trying hard, but they just, they did something, and it let you down, and you, it soured you. You never got over it. Of course you're not interested. I wouldn't be either. But let me explain this to you. Your problem is not Jesus. And your problem is not this life-changing message. Your problem is how it's been explained, and your problem is how it's been applied, or in most cases, misapplied. And if that describes you, I want to say this as sincerely as I know how to say it. I apologize. I apologize on behalf of preachers who don't get it. I apologize on behalf of Christians who mean well and haven't explained it well and haven't lived it out well for you. I apologize. But listen, this is a matter of your eternal life and death. And this is too big and it's too important for you to just say, nah, not interested. I hope that somewhere in your future that you would find it within yourself to say, you know what, maybe there is more to this. And you would consider this amazing offer because it really is good news for all men. In spite of poor explanations, in spite of poor application. Listen to what John said. John was one of the disciples, he he followed Jesus. He probably started following Jesus when he was late teens. Uh, maybe early 20s, right around in there. He was exiled on an island. They, they just basically threw him out on this island and left him alone just to get him away from everybody. He was exiled not for what he believed. It's very important that you understand the distinction here. He was exiled not for what he believed. He was exiled for what he saw. What he saw. And they came along and said, you didn't see that. And he said, no, I did see it. And you're not going to make me say I didn't see it. You're not going to make me unsee this. I saw Jesus raised from the dead. John John spent a lot of time with Jesus. And I have to believe at some point, alone with Jesus, John said, Jesus, what about this whole virgin birth thing? Come on, man. Tell me the truth about that. How about angels? Jesus, what about the shepherds? Tell me, did they really put you in a manger? Really? I mean, if anybody had the scoop, it was John. And here, here's what John says. And this is, you don't even have to go to church. You probably know this verse that we're about to look at. John 3.16. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, this is John's way of saying this is good news for all men on whom his favor rests. That means God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves you. For God so loves us, not just good people, for God so loved the world. What do you do when you love somebody? You don't sell. You don't barter. You don't trade. That's not what you do with people you love. You give. Come on. This Christmas, you are going to give gifts to people you don't even like. Right? You're going to have relatives come into town that you don't even know that well, but they're getting a gift from you because they're coming into town and we got to get Aunt Mabel a gift. Some of you are going to give gifts to people you don't even know. But for sure, for sure, you're going to give gifts to people you love. You are. And you're not going to trade, you're not going to borrow. You know why? Because when you love someone, you give to them. John said, I know that God loves the world because he gave. And you know what he gave? It's this Christmas story. He gave his one and only son, that baby in Bethlehem. That's what he gave. And John, John wasn't there to see it. He had heard the story, and when he heard of the Son of God coming into the world, it wasn't as a man, it was as a baby. And all these years later, some 30 years later, he's still convinced that whoever, whoever what? Whoever really works hard, whoever consistently goes to church, whoever can consistently behave well, is that, is that the whoever that we're talking about? Whoever performs and buys? No, no. Whoever believes in him. God gave us the son, and the way you get the gift of the son as a personal savior is not by behaving. See, that is the big misunderstanding all around the world about Jesus. I I can't tell you. I mean, I've done this so long that to me, I know it's not about behaving, it's about believing. But it amazes me how many people I encounter, and they're caught up in this I gotta be good or God's not gonna love me. Listen, look at me. I, I, I've say this, I say this all the time to our church family, and you may be here and be new. You need to hear me say this. God is crazy about you. He loves you. He is crazy about you. It's not about behaving, it's about believing. It's not about trading or trying to buy or, or somehow purchase this thing that you want from God. You can't do that. It's simply by believing. The Bible uses the term trusting in. That's Greek. It's literally in Greek that, that means believe. It just means to believe. You see, gifts are forgiving. They're not for earning. Gifts are for receiving. They're not for earning. John is saying that when God sent Jesus into the world as the gift to the world, that the way an individual receives the gift is by placing their trust in the fact that Jesus is the Savior. 
that when he came, he came for them. That when Jesus died on the cross, he died for your sins. Let's make it personal. Let's just make it personal. The stuff that you do. Have you ever apologized to anyone? If you have, then you're not perfect. You've sinned. You need help with that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, check this promise out, shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what eternal life is? Eternal life is that thing that you lost the first time you sinned. First time you sinned, out the window it went for you. No eternal life. It's life in the Father. It's the gift that he gives to people who place their trust in Christ. To those who received it. Eternal life is giving back to you what was lost when you sinned. Not because you earned it or bought it or traded for it, not not because of that, but because God decided to give it to you and he punished, this is the big part, he punished Jesus on your behalf and on my behalf. Jesus took the punishment. Now I ask you, how can you do better than that? (laughs) What better deal are you going to find than that? And yet there are still people who say, nah, I'll do it myself. I'll earn it. I want to buy. I'm going to work for it. God says it's not for sale. This is my son, and he is not for sale. I want you to simply receive him as your Savior. See, there's, there really are three responses to this whole talk. There's, there's three ways you can go. The first one is you can take the deal. You can say, what, I, you know, I, don't, I'm, I can't be perfect. I don't have to be perfect. Um, I, should be, I should die. Wages of sin is death. I should die, but you're telling me Jesus died for me. I don't have to die. It's not about how well I behave. It's about me believing. So I believe, and I, I, I get the deal of grace. That's what you're telling me. I believe Jesus died on the cross, forgives me. I get grace. I'm saved. That's exactly what I'm telling you. It's exactly what I'm telling you. That is a great deal. So here's three, here are your three options. One, you can take it. You can take that deal. You know, certain things when they get offered, you don't have to think about them. It's like, oh, let me think about it. Yeah, I'll take it. Right? I'll take it. This is one of those. Or you can keep trying to trade for it. There are people out there trying to do that. We still want to leverage things, don't we? We still want to bring our stuff to the table. God, look what I did. Aren't you proud of me? Don't you love me because I've been so good? And I only said three cuss words this week. Wouldn't it be great if this Christmas we quit trying to do all that? Aren't you tired of that? Wouldn't it be great if this Christmas we finally understood that we are not standing on our goodness, but that we stand on the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he did on a cross for us? And that I am never, ever, ever going to measure up to that. And God doesn't expect me to. God knows me. He knows what kind of trouble I have. And he says, Brett, (laughs) you need a Savior. You need to be forgiven. Or you could have response number three. You could just think about it. Just think about it. See, this is what I understand. 
I understand that somebody, I don't know who you are, but somebody walked through the door this morning and you did it for mama or you did it for your brother or you did it for your girlfriend or you, somebody told you there were hot girls here and you, you, you came because there were going to be hot girls here. I hope you find one. Um, you know, whatever your motivation was, I hope, I hope, I hope Cross Lane delivers for you this morning. But, but you didn't come to really hear the Jesus story. Because you've heard the Jesus story and you don't like the way it's told. I, I hopefully, I'm telling you the Jesus story in a new way. That you understand this isn't some kind of trade thing and this isn't some kind of deal where you can be good enough. You cannot be good enough. And if somebody's misbehaved in the past or somebody's been harsh to you or, or has let you down, I, I pray that you would get through all that. See, the prayer this morning is that you would meet somebody whose life is so miraculous that you couldn't get over their life. The, the prayer this morning is that you would meet somebody whose faith is so irresistible that you would say, I, I, I got to know more about what makes that person tick. They are such a, 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 a neat, interesting, well-grounded person. They have some semblance of faith. I want to know about that. The prayer is that you would meet someone whose love for you is so irresistible, whose quality of relationships is so irresistible that you would say, I have to know about that. Please tell me about that. See, that's the prayer this morning, is that you would just crack the door open enough to consider. Maybe you're not ready to make a decision today. Maybe you need to talk some more. Maybe you need a little more time. Look, I'm not putting pressure on you. You take all the time you need. This, but I owe you this. As a pastor and as a person who understands, I think I understand this, as a person who thinks he understands this, I owe you this. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. Don't walk out of here thinking that tomorrow comes for you. It may not. And you can take as much time as you think you need, and I'll let you do that. I'm not going to force feed this. I'm begging you to consider what I'm saying. I'm just asking you to be receptive. Would you say, God, if you're there, I want to know you better? Some of you are still wanting to bring a little something to the table. God, look how good I am. You struggle. You just, can't, you just can't say, God, I'll just receive today. Let's be like the shepherds today. The shepherds heard it. They believed it. They acted upon it. The best deal you will ever make is trading in your sin for God's grace. That is the best deal you're ever going to make. You take all your junk all the places where you fall and can't do it right, and you know you can't do it right, and you come to God and you say, God, this is me, this is all of me, and this is all my junk. And that guy just told me that if I bring this to you, that what happened on the cross takes care of all this, that this all goes away, and I am clean and forgiven. I'm just going to tell you right now, in your Christmas shopping, if you find a better deal than that, you better take it. You better take it. And I'll tell you this as I close. We, when I was at Johnson Bible College, we had a guy come in and preach to us one time, and at the end of it he said this. I thought this was so cool. Today, you have heard the word, and you can either accept it or reject it, but you can never again be one not called. We're going to stand and sing in a minute, and um, then we'll be dismissed. If I don't get a chance to hug your neck today and tell you I love you, know that. You have a great Christmas. Let's pray.
Father, in the quiet of this room, as your grace falls like rain on us, a forgiven people, a people that you love. And we know you love us because you gave, you gave your son. It's an unbelievable, magnificent, out of this world, over the top gift. We do not deserve it. It's the kind of gift that that if if we got something in, in physical terms in that magnitude, we probably would be tempted to give it back to the giver and say, I don't deserve this. And Lord, we don't deserve it. But this morning, those of us who have accepted your gift of forgiveness sit this morning under the canopy of your grace, forgiven. And Lord, if there's someone sitting in this room this morning and they can't say that, they can't say, I have accepted Christ, I have accepted what he did on the cross, and I too am forgiven. Father, I pray that they would see it for what it is, that it's, it's not about checking off a checklist of do's and don'ts. It's not about that. It's not about being good enough. We're never going to be good enough. It is about humbling ourselves to the point that we say, God, I need you. I need you. Father, my prayer is that you would come sit heavy on a heart this morning and not let them rest until your love breaks them down and they are finally forgiven and they know grace and they know freedom and they know Jesus. Father, this precious baby would come innocent unexpected he would lead the way and he would never make a mistake and he would be perfect he would resist temptation he would be profound in the way he spoke and he would love you and in his obedience he would go to a cross and he would lay his life down as the punishment for my sin all that. Give us a Christmas gift called forgiveness. Father, we love you and it's in the precious name of this baby Jesus we pray.